Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of a Sunday, I'm sorry, a Sunday special edition of a Vision for You Big Book Study Groups. Today is Sunday, September 22nd, 2019, and my name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, September 20th, 2019, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Group meeting is 13,424. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Group meeting, it's 13426. 13,426. This morning, a vision for you presents the spiritual realization, experience with a sick man's prayer. There is a prayer found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that that has come to be affectionately known as the sick man's prayer. Don't be limited by the seeming simplicity of it. A prayer to take the high ground because we can see that the other person can use this consideration, for they certainly are sick. Two. So it would be fitting to find a place that would humble oneself to see things from another's point of view. And of course, prayer will need to be a part of that equation indeed. Without it, reality and reasoning may surely be compromised. The author of the big book placed that prayer smack dab in the middle of column three and four, the fourth step inventory process purposefully. It is intended to turn, to turn from left to completely looking right, taking from our minds any from our minds anything other than the disease component that lies within to our part alone, who and what we had become and capable of doing. We have found a way out of addiction to compulsive overeating, the twisted thinking and behavior tried and proven to be true over the long run of life experientially. No other program has shown such colossal results. What we learned is that we personally lack human power and that we internally suffer from a disconnect from that power, which is greater than human. Evidence reveals that we awkwardly sought this power, thought this power was self, all focus on self. We pay quite a price for that. The sick man's prayer is a powerful, integral, practical function of recovery absolutely informative, kicking into gear for God to have access to us, understanding more deeply our innermost selves experience with the sick man's prayer is where we find personally this realization, the most, the, the impact most profound. Because of the wreckage of our past practices of anger, resentful, vengefulness, and self-righteous indignation, we w- do well to have directions on how to act behaviorally until we finally come to the spirituality of this. This paragraph, beyond a plea to higher power, is a set of instructions to take literally as directions for behavior as we meet the transformation in a spiritual way of being. To consider in in first person is very, very important. I am the sick man. And being unsure, perhaps you may be sick too deserving of prayer and compassionate consideration. The sick man's prayer is written for just this. Among the lines of this prayer are key elements in which to model oneself precisely, even if it's outside our natural being. Openly, simply, disciplined. This prayer is utilized throughout the day as an instructional tool beyond its power of prayer. 
coming to us live all the way from Massachusetts this morning to present her spiritual realization is Katie G. Katie genuinely is an enthusiastic, visible member of A Vision for You. Her life being transformed from within this program of recovery, she pays forward as commonplace and earnestly daily embraces the opportunities afforded in this mad, mad world of recovery. Looking forward to her unboxing the title of today's Sunday special edition. Please help me welcome this morning, Katie G to the mic. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, my fellows. Thanks for the beautiful ah, introduction. And I just want to start off. Um, I'm just going to invite God onto the line. Um, that something that I say may be helpful to someone out there still suffering. And that uh, we may all have the desire, this heart's desire, to be taken to new places in our relationship with God as that's our solution today. And help me to say my truth. Amen. All right. Well, uh, my name is Katie G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic based on my work today that I do. Thank God I'm a member in good standing of OA. I have two home groups. One of them is uh, a vision for you. Thank God. Thank God for all of you out there. I love our community here, this healthy OA meeting. I do have a sponsor. She has a sponsor. And I have completed all my amends that I am consciously aware of. And I do have, um, I am blessed with the gift of sponsees. Um, over the 15 years I've been in program, um, I have not been absent that whole time. I've never left program. I, I did the steps for the first time out of this beautiful big book like about 10 years ago. I'm not the best historian. And over the past, I'd say four years, I've been starting to study with a group of people who have taught me that to really stay um, in fit spiritual condition, I, for me, need to go back and do the steps one through nine every year. Because as one of my teachers says, I like the effect produced by God. Before I get into the meat <laughs> of my talk, I just want to give you a little bit of background. Um, I, uh, in my adult life, I've been two, uh, 228 pounds and I've been 110 pounds. And that is a sign of my spiritual illness. But if that's not your experience, that's okay. You're still welcome here because a bigger sign of my spiritual illness is an inability to have life, live, have relationships. As one woman pointed out to me and an amend I was making to her, Katie, you have lots of ambition, but you have no people skills. Yup, yup, that's me. I have, as far as I can remember, I have used food to heal me as a solution. Um, I am not an addict because of the things that happened to me in my life. That is not correlated. And things that have happened into my life have been hard. But um, that's not why I'm an addict. I'm an addict because I'm an addict and I don't really get to know. Few qualifications. I am not a scholar of the big book. <laughs> um, if you're not on step four, I am going to be talking a lot about step four and then consequently step 10. If you're at step one, two, or three, please just allow these words to sink in. Uh, don't try this at home without your recovered sponsor. Not because you can't. I mean, you can, but you might create some, some hardship for yourself. 
Um, I did relapse with exercise bulimia about four years ago. Thank you, God. I have not found it necessary to use exercise, anorexia, food, or bulimia since that time, one day at a time. I wanted to give this talk because I love the life and the steps that God has given me. I love that I can have a day yesterday where I got disturbed. In the middle of the day, I paused, asked God in, I did the turnaround, made amends, and pressed on. Um, one of the things I do want to say is that the most freeing thing about this sick man's prayer that we're going to talk about is looking for my mistakes, and that's what the a big book talks about. Um, if using the word my part works for you, that's awesome. I have to be honest and say um, that doesn't work for me because if I'm looking for my part in where I am wrong, then I am absolutely saying you have a part and it's probably bigger than mine. So I wanted to talk about this sick man's prayer because for me, I have used it to, I've misapplied the sick man's prayer. And in a state of recovered abstinence, I have gotten sick. I mean, if you're out there operating under a delusion that recovered people don't do work, I, I just want to pop that balloon right now. My spiritual brothers and sisters that are recovered today by God's grace and mercy, we are working, man. <laughs> In fact, I sometimes think we do more work today than we did on day one because it's no longer acceptable to just say, oh, they're sick. They're sick and they need a 12-step program too, right? I want to say too, um, just as part of my intro, um, I want to be very clear. I go through steps one through nine every year. The people that have taught me about going steps through steps one through nine, I don't mean with a sponsee. I do that with my sponsees, thank God, because it's my primary purpose, right? But going back to step one, I was talking with a dear friend this morning. It informs the rest of my work. And so what I found in a state of recovered abstinence is, I really needed to go back to step one because, of, because I needed to re-experience the darkness and desperation of powerlessness. If I'm not doing any part of this program, it is a step one issue. I have said I have power, choice, and control around the food, and I'm not willing to do it 100% of the time. If I'm not willing to do a step 10, if I'm not willing to make amends, if I'm not willing to ask God to remove my character defects, if I'm not willing to do the work, if I'm not willing to see my insanity, right, I have a step one issue. Because if I have truly accepted step one, it is a dark place. No power, no choice, no control around the food. I'm insane and I am nothing without God. And in my... In, in this talk, I want to explore something that I was taught a couple years ago about the sick man's prayer, about this realization we can have. And, and, it, and to get there, I had to start and see that I am nothing without God. I am nothing. That dark, doomsday place. And, and it wasn't because I'd gone back to the food. It's because I was studying the book again. So a few main points today, um, just by truly applying this sick man's prayer, I have been able to see where I am wrong and let others off the hook in a deeper way. And why is that important? Why does it matter if I'm resentful? Like, right? Like everybody out there, like we live in an angry culture, right? Like people get mad. 
Because for me, I have a fatal illness. And if I am angry, I am disconnected from God. And you may be saying to yourself, you know what, KDG, I'm not angry. That's fine. Um, I have been taught that a resentment could be I'm judging someone, right? Because I judge someone, I find them guilty, and then I'm repeating it in my head. And that immediately I'm playing God. And so then I'm disconnected from God. And if you haven't gotten this message by being part of our beautiful OA meeting, our only hope is God. And it's not by going to church, although church is great. It's by uncovering, discovering, and discarding everything that is me. And I need that deeper relationship with God, that deeper relationship with powerlessness that comes through continuing to go through the work. So if you haven't gotten it, I am recovered, thank God, but I do still, I get into warped thinking. Sorry, there's no... There is no panacea where I can ride off into the sunset with Prince Charming and, and have that be my period, end of sentence, right? If that's your experience, that's awesome. It's not mine. It's not mine. I do want to let you know, so steps one through three, you know, powerlessness, um, insanity. Um, the, the people that I studied with um, before I got to this spiritual realization really talked to me about, you know, if I truly accept powerlessness, that darkness, step two, yeah, duh, there is a God, right? Because I'm not it. If I'm not it, there is a God, period, right? There's not this huge dialogue about anything else. It, it's just there is a God and I'm not it. Um, and step three is that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, which I cannot follow through with without um, steps four through nine. I just can't. Otherwise, think about it, we'd have a three-step program, right? So that's what I'm going to say to you for my introduction. I, want to, I really want to talk about what the book says and use my experience to, um, to support that. I also want to say a caveat. If something I say is um, in, in lack of congruence with this book, let's talk about it. If something I say is in lack of congruence with your sponsor, go with your sponsor. It's all good. Like, you know, let us be friends with that. It's all good. I'm not I'm not here to, to, you know, whatever. I'm just here to share my experience. Page 66. Let's talk about why, why book, the book is talking about anger. It says, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong me, KDG, and I stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we restored ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. And one of the relationships I am going to speak about today is with my mother-in-law. And I want to talk about a moment of triumph that my sick mind thought was a triumph, right? So I have resentment against her because in my sick mind, she's going to take my child right? And so my moment of triumph is taking her away, not letting her be with my baby girl, right? That was short-lived. That was like 30 seconds of sick thinking. And then I had to watch her fall apart. I had to watch her face fall as I again punished her for absolutely nothing except wanting to love my child, right? And then I, you know, I have hard thinking, right? I got to go do the work because I've treated her poorly. So there's no, there's no winning in winning, if that makes any sense. It makes sense in my, in my head. And that's what the book is talking about. 
Let's continue. These are our death threats. In case you're wondering if resentment is okay, let's go to the death threats. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, allow, do we squander, waste the hours that might have been worthwhile? Oh, my goodness. But with the alcoholic, and this is my hope, right, the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. And that is why I continue to press in through these steps. This business of resentment is going to kill me, infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal, kill me, for when harboring, which means like think of a harbor, a safety, when I'm giving that anger safety and allowing it to motivate my poor actions, I shut myself off from God. No God, insanity returns, I eat again, and with me to eat is to die, right? I'm just going to die. It may not be an immediate death, but man, it is an immediate spiritual death. If I am to live, I have to be free of anger. The grouch, the grouch and the brainstorm is not for me. That's it. That's it. So notice it does not say that food is my problem, right? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my issue, and I must get rid of self. But how? How? How do we do this? So um, just as um, was talked about in the, um, in the introduction, I just want to get current about what our order of operations are, right, in terms of addressing um, this resentment, because our beautiful textbook gives us an order of operations, right? So first we make the list. Who are the people that I just completely get under my skin, that I want to run across the street in a baseball hat, they, I can't have them see me, I squeal, I, I just Worm. Or maybe, you know, maybe I've been recovered for a while. Maybe I don't have a list of people that are, are making me mad. Maybe there are just people that I just sort of, I'm a little bit superior to, right, because their program's slightly different than mine, and anybody I'm smugly superior to, all of that. That's my list. I then get to blame them, the cause. What did they do wrong? Now, I, I do limit this um, because it would be like, I want to write a dissertation on what they did, right? We limit it. Some people say 12 to 14 words. That's great. I, I really, I'm not here to tell you the story. That's critical. I'm not here to tell you, oh, well, it was a Tuesday, and I was being a very, no, mm -mm. what did they do wrong? So let's go to my my example of my mother-in-law. I am resentful at my mother-in-law. The cause loves my daughter so much and wants to take her away from me. Super fun, right? I, I, nobody's, nobody's calling me out and saying and correcting me, right? I get to be honest. And the more honest I am, the better. You know, if you're sitting here thinking you can't do resentment turnarounds on kids, on invalids, on, on people that are, you know, whatever, you can. And I've done them, so call me. We can talk about it. Um, what it affects. Now, um, let me just pause right here. Fourth step is huge. I'm really only touching on a certain part of it, right? I'm not going to touch on fear. I'm not going to touch on relationships. And I'm not going to go too into depth in various parts of the fourth step. So please don't think this is comprehensive. This is just about a new experience with my work in a certain aspect that has informed the rest of my work around this sick man's prayer. Okay, so then we look at what it affects, okay? Self-esteem, security, ambition, personal relations, pride, sex, and causes me fear. If I am not feeling a fear, I'm not disturbed. That's what my book teaches me. 
And for me, um, you know, what I was originally taught is that um, these, the I'm disturbed because I am telling myself that every aspect of my core identity is affected by your behavior. That's why I'm so triggered because you're taking something away from who I am, from what I want to do in my life, from how I feel about myself, from my whole identity, okay? So that's the first, made a list, blame them, what it affects, okay? And then they give us this sick man's prayer, which I'm going to get to actually saying the prayer in a few minutes, I promise. So then what I've been taught is we cross to the other side of the courtroom, okay? So we've been blaming you, you're... You know, this is what you did, you're wrong, this is what it affects. And then I've been taught, I go to the other side of the courtroom and I look for my own mistakes, disregarding the other person entirely, right? No, Katie, you don't get, you, you don't get to assign your mother-in-law anything. This is let's act as if your mother-in-law was perfect. What kind of daughter-in-law are you? How do you behave? Right? I, I resolutely look for my own mistakes. Okay, so we then get to our beautiful sick man's prayer. Just to recapture, we've made that list. Um, it's going to kill, you know, we're going to die if we don't do this. This is pretty important. Okay, sick man's prayer. This was our course. We realize this is on page 66. It starts at the bottom of 66. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Yeah. Though we did not like their symptoms, no, and the way they disturbed us, no way. They, like ourselves, were sick, too. Now, I like to say they were sick, too. <laughs> but guess what? This is not an instruction manual on their sickness. This is an instruction manual on KDG. And the only thing I need to focus on is KDG's sickness. So we ask God to help us show them, demonstrate the same tolerance, pity, and patience. I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a key, oh, excuse me, I'm looking at my notes. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will, not mine, be done. So this is a really pretty prayer, right? Um, but I, I would be like, yeah, dude, like my mom's sick. And this is after I did work, okay? After I'm identifying reco as recovered. My mom's sick. In fact, she needs a 12-step program, right? And we can point to the big book where, they, where they, it says she needs a 12-step program. Okay, if that works for you, that's great. Let me tell you what I've been told because it does say in the book we find that its way of life would be useful to all. Again, I'm not a big book scholar. I know that's not the exact words, but it says something like that, right? We can agree on that. So what I've been taught <laughs> is that the usefulness to all is that it's keeping me off the streets. Right? I'm not committing uh, acts of crime. I'm not, God willing, I'm not being unkind. God willing, when I am, I'm making amends. Like, that's pretty useful. And the only person who can decide if I need a 12-step program is me. So i got to stop taking the world's inventory and, and, and thinking everybody needs a 12-step program because the fact is, to be a member in good standing of Overeaters Anonymous, I have to realize that I am the sick one, and I am the one with that 12-step program, right? So anyway, so that's really what I missed. And what I wanted to make sure is some, just some quotes before we get to more, um, not triaging, but examples that I'm going to go through. I didn't know how to come to people with 
compassion. Um, I used others' behaviors as an indication that there was not God in the world. And then I used um, my thinking to come up with how I'm going to be of service to you, right? So, like, you're not doing what I want, so you're spiritually stuck. I'm going to look at where I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, but then I'm going to decide how I'm going to be of service to you, right? There is no God. And again, whenever I'm judging others, I'm separating myself. Um, and one other point I want to make, this, sorry, this is just a little bit of a sidetrack. I've never come across a little resentment. So sometimes I'll be talking to people and they're like, oh, I'm just sort of disturbed. Mm, I don't know, guys. I, there's no place in this book. And, t- and find it for me. I'd love to hear that it says, you know what? If you just have a little resentment, you're good. Go on to step 12. You made it. Here's your gold star. No. No, there's no qualifications of sizes. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I only, I ate the most when they were little irritations, like hangnails, like, um, I don't know, stub toes, you know. I I was not eating in in big dye or whatever. And so for me, I got to look at everything. Um, The other thing I want to say is, so, so what I was missing about this sick man's prayer, like I'm sick, what I've gotten, what I feel today in my heart is, and I know I said this the other day, so I'm sorry, but I'm really excited about learning this. So the word compassion, come, means to come, and passion means suffering. So when I really do this work, I can come to you and identify perhaps you're suffering just like me. Perhaps, and I remember my guide telling me that at the time after we'd gone through looking at what I had done to this person who had not obeyed my laws um, she said do you see that you didn't have a connection with God and that you couldn't do any better and I was like yeah and it was really painful and then she said do you could you consider that maybe they don't have access to God right now and maybe they're suffering? Wow. And there's a difference for me coming at that with understanding the suffering that I have in an equal plane to the suffering that you have. I don't know the details of your suffering. It's not my job to assign you what you're suffering with. or what. I can get into that in my turnaround. It's not my job. But if, if you could potentially be suffering too, and I'm looking at the whole situation with my sick mind, I can get right with you. And the reason this is so important is because if I'm right with you, I'm right with God. And I'm not playing God. So let's move on. To be clear, again, this is not a talk on the entire fourth step. I just had some notes. I just wanted to make sure. Um, I'm not here to add or change to the big book. I love this big book. It's just a deeper understanding and application of this sick man's prayer. And I need you to hear me. I'm going to talk about something called a spiritual realization. Do not apply this to acts of sexual violence. If you have acts of sexual violence that you need to inventory, please talk to your sponsor or call me and we can talk about ways to approach it off the line. That is serious, scary. Let's talk about it in a different context. Okay, so let's just set that aside. And I don't do this with principles, okay? So just so you know. All right, so a couple key relationships that I want to go over 
um, in my life, not to, not to dump on you, but just to let you know like how this realization is applied. Because I do the best when you all share with me examples, book examples. So my key players are mom and her partner, brother and sister-in-law, hubs, some people in program, and mother-in-law. So until I got to this realization of how sick I am on a deeper level, what it really means that I'm sick, I continued to punish and be victimized by my own belief systems. The power of a, an effective step four turnaround or a step 10 turnaround, and I apologize for you that don't like that phrase, but turnaround is what I've been taught to call it when you go from what you did wrong, what you did to me, to the other side of the courtroom. So let's just accept that that's my colloquial or whatever, not mine, it's just a colloquial that I was offered to see my wrongs. So just some stories I didn't let go of, and this is just a muck, so stay with me. Um, with my mom and partner into being a recovered woman, I continued to believe that I couldn't trust others because my mom had an affair. She victimized me emotionally. I'm always going to have a fear of abandonment because what they did to me. Um, it's unforgivable. They're sick. And it's my trump card. So if I'm treating you poorly, it's because they're sick. And that's how I grew up. They can't be forgiven. They're sick. And I told everyone my story. Um, my, these beliefs poisoned my relationships as I dismissed them as sick. Um, I didn't trust my husband. I didn't trust women. I always had to be heard and seen and validated by others, and I had to win. And these are, these are again, beliefs that I had in recovery as a recovered woman, and, and I was doing the work. Um, with my brother and sister-in-law, I believed I'm this great recovered person. My brother and sister-in-law should communicate with me as I think, right? Like here I am. I made an amend. We're not. I'm not communicating with you enough. In my and and now that I'm making this amend, you should respond to my weekly phone calls. You should, you know, reorient your life so that you're responding to my weekly phone calls, so I can share on the line that I'm a recovered woman and y'all love me. My brother and sister-in-law, right? what I perceived as their lack of attention, you know, it was hurting my ego still. And I thought, I'm recovered. You should make time for me. I want to share an example. So um, in the past, mm, I don't know, it was like mm, 15 months ago, um, my brother and sister-in-law were making no efforts to meet my daughter. And I was, I was not happy. I wanted this relationship with them. I wanted to be able to say I'm recovered and I have all these family members. So um, they were in New York, which was closer to my house than it was where they live in, uh, they normally live in, in uh, Florida. And I found out that they were in New York through gossip, family gossip. Not a good thing, guys, not a good thing. So um, I called my brother out of the blue and I said, hey, I am going to fly to see you with my daughter. It's going to be a great family reunion. What do you think? And it was like, pause, 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 right? He said, I'll get back to you. And then he, uh, he called me back. He said, it's not going to work for me. I'm sorry. Drove me deeper into the work. Drove me deeper into the work. Because I was like, well, why wouldn't you make time for me, right? Um, and I'm going to get back to the realization um, when, I, uh, when I get to that. So I, I got really sick around that, and it drove me into step work. Um, and then hubs. 
uh blessed hus- husband what a what a sweet man thank you god he's uh he's supporting me um the lies, my old beliefs, if he's not texting me, there's something wrong. If he doesn't respond to me, it means he's having an affair. Hey, by the way, when I'm doing these turnarounds, I'm like, hey, well, you know, like, I, my mom had an affair. I don't know how to not hound him. I don't know how to have a healthy relationship. But again, I am the sick one. I was a victim of rage. Um, I remember at one point using a, um, a pan and smashing it against the oven. Um, because he wasn't calling me. And I know that there are those sitting on the line that can remember that damaged pan. Uh, this is when I'm recovered. Uh, I had no compassion for his long day at work, and I demanded that as soon as he walked in the door that I'm his puppy and he needs to pay attention to me. Right, and so finally, mother-in-law, I struggled with this relationship, um, believed that she was going to take my kiddo, and uh and with people in program, friends in program, I wanted people to rescue me. Uh, nobody was showing up for me the way I wanted them to. And y'all were getting stuff that I wanted. So I was not happy. Now, that's a really intense focus of my step tens over the last four years. But the, I just wanted to give you an idea. And if you're feeling spiritually sick hearing all that, yeah, me too. Like, oh, my gosh. I mean, all this mishigosh for what, right, for my ego. Let's get to the good news, okay? Let's get to the good news. I'm ready. I do want to say, um, I just want to give a shout out to God that I've always been blessed with one thing, and that is the desire to go deeper. So that's the desire that when I have this nasty thinking, I'm calling you, uh, well, obviously, I'm asking God for help, and then I'm calling you, and I'm talking to you. Do I go back to step one? How do I do this? How do I get better? So um, we go back to this sick man's prayer. And so let's go back to some functionality, right? Okay, so I've, 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 I've put down their name, cause, what it affects. So how, so then we go to, before, then we have this sick man's prayer before we go to this place where we look at my mistake, where I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, right? So what I was taught by this group of people is to ask myself, so I'm, I'm resentful at mother-in-law, the cause um, wants to take my child, <clears throat> my child away from me. Uh, what is the effect? I list that out, and I, for the purpose of this talk only, I'm not going through this. There's a lot of meaty, juicy stuff in there. Go to your sponsor. I'll call me later. We'll talk about it. So then I'm asked to write down what I've been taught is a spiritual realization. How have I done the things I've resented in column two, our cause, to this mother-in-law? It says, this was our course. We realized the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick, like me, like me. So what am I being asked to do? I'm being asked to consider where am I to blame before, during, after. So with my mother-in-law, it wants to take my daughter away from me. Am I wanting to take my daughter along, am I wanting to take my daughter away from her? Mhm. Yeah. If I uh can't see that, can I see that I want to do that in other areas of my life? Can I see that um in other areas of my life I look at people as commodities that belong to me that I can take from other people's lives? Oh yeah, mhm, I can. I can. So can I see that really this isn't about the mother-in-law's behavior? As soon as I'm pointing the finger, it's a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, it's about me, not the other person. And 99.99% of the time, when I'm blaming you, I'm doing that behavior in my own life. 
So let's workshop this, okay? So with my mother-in-law, um, I could see that, um, so I'm resentful at her the cause wanting to take my daughter away. I want to take my daughter away from her. I don't want her to be part of my life. I'm looking at my daughter as a possession. Um, I'm threatened. So in other words, my friends, I am creating the problem. And then what do I do? I look at where am I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. And what does that sound like? Where am I selfish? I need my mother-in-law to only be in my life on my terms without regard to what she wants, what she needs, or what she's capable of. And where is my self-seeking behavior, my sickness? I judge. I want to take her, my daughter away. I'm, uh, I'm hot and cold, right? And what's the lie? This child belongs to me. I can possess her. What's the truth? This child is not mine. This, this mother-in-law doesn't, wants nothing but to love my child. And I'm going to be, I need to be of service, right? And what's my fear? Losing what I have. Right, and so I, I brush through that, I know, but I'm looking at the time and I don't like hearing my voice, you know, go for too long either. So I want to get through some more work. But because I was able to see that I am actually doing the things that I am accusing her of, I am the sick one, I was humbled. You know, I, I was on my knees day after Thanksgiving begging her for forgiveness, begging, like I was wrong. My job is to be a conduit of love. I was wrong. Um, so what it does is it just, it knocks me down, which is what I'm supposed to get have happen. So we avoid retaliation or argument, page 67. We wouldn't trick, treat six people this way. We destroy, our, if we do, I destroy my chance of being helpful. How can I be helpful to the mother-in-law if I'm retaliating and arguing? We cannot be helpful to all people, but it's showing me how do I be kind and tolerant of her Right, because I can see that I was blocked off from God, you, my friends. When I was wanting to take her away, my daughter away, like I was just blocked. I really was doing the best I can. I really was. Um, okay, so let's move on. Um, let's go back to my mother and her partner because I have some other fun realizations to talk about. My mother-in-law and partner had an affair, not emotionally available, made, my, made her partner more important partner stole mom from me. So then I look at where, what are my realizations? Oh, this is the other helpful thing I wanted to point out. I may not be doing the behavior currently that I'm accusing them of, but have I ever done it? That's important. So with my mother and Pam, I listed out the things that they did wrong. So I have had affairs, my friends. I've been disloyal to others. I've had relationships when I wasn't emotionally available. I was accusing my mom and Pam of doing that. Um, I'm sorry, I just broke anonymity. Uh, I have made choices to hold hostages as friends and it's impacted others. That was another accusation. I have made relationships competitive and that's what I'm accusing them of. And I did stop having affairs, but um, I was not loyal in my thinking to my husband and I asked him 20 questions and I wasn't trusting others. So I wanna just talk a minute about another spiritual realization I had. So. Um, I was um, doing a resentment turnaround with uh, one of our members of our fellowship and I was, uh, my, I was going away and I had encouraged my husband to invite friends over. Now in my mind, I'm like a bunch of boyfriends, cigars, boy time, whatever. So Hubs tells me that he's inviting colleagues over and one of them is a woman. Well, I had a few things to say about that. Because don't you know, my mother had an affair. And thank you, God, 
for the women in this program that are not afraid to call me to task and say to me, you don't get to continue to blame your mother for your spiritual sickness. You have had affairs. You are the problem. You don't get to blame your mother for having this resentment and mistreating your husband. And it was amazing because what I saw, my realization, so I'm resentful at husband, the cause, having a woman over, affects my, okay, so what's my realization? Um, I, well, so the resentment, sorry. So it's more like that he's having affairs. He's, he's, you know, whatever. He's behaving poorly with people of the opposite sex. Okay, let's go to KDG. I'm behaving poorly. I, I thank God I've not had an affair, but I'm not pr practicing fidelity to my husband by questioning the vows of our marriage, right? We vowed to be um, you know, loyal to one another. And here I am because in my mind of my victim growing up, I'm allowed to accuse my husband of doing something that only I've done, right? I'm not having fidelity to him. And again, it was this huge eye-opening for me where I saw my behavior was motivated by my entire perception that I'm accusing my husband of acting in a bad way I'm acting in the bad way. Where am I self? And then I go through selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. I say, and then if I'm doing a step 10, I, you know, I, I go on. I do step five, six, seven, eight, nine. And what was amazing about this process is I was able to go to my husband and say, I've been blaming you for something that's not your problem. You know, I was able to see all of my spiritual sickness focused on him and what he was doing wrong. And it just shone the light of day on my marriage, on me. So I'm aware of the time. So um, intermingled with that, I did inventory on my mom and her partner. And I was able to see that I... I did the things I was accusing them of, and and one of the um, one of the most humbling amends I made was with my mother's partner. Because when I did the realization on her, so I'm resentful at my mother's partner, um, unkind, competes with me for love, gets insanely jealous, um, would per uh, uh, would prefer my mom doesn't have a relationship with me. I could see that I am unkind. I, I'm competing with a now 77-year-old woman for my mother's attention. I get jealous when other people have other people in their life. I would prefer my husband doesn't have other relationships. And then I move forward, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, afraid, step five, six, seven, eight, and I make my amends. But um, my friends, I remember sitting there making an amend to my mom's partner and just shaking. You need to understand that my life since the age of six was dominated by these two women and what I thought they did to me. You need to understand that every relationship I engaged with was dominated by what I thought they did to me. And I'm not saying that what they did was beautiful. But what I'm saying is, is that by doing this realization, I was able to see that I, when I'm disconnected from God, 
I can't do any better. Perhaps they're disconnected from God and they couldn't do any better. And I got to let them off the hook. And I'm not here to tell you that my mom and her partner are um, in my life in a way that is like, how do I want to say this? Like a movie, right? They're in my life in a way that's like a life, right? And my mom's partner doesn't have the power. She's not a monster. She's just a person and she makes mistakes. But I, my mistake is I keep judging her for all her mistakes. Like I keep perceiving what she's doing as wrong. Um, and they came to see me. They've come to see me twice. I'm able to call them and not need them to be different. So I'm okay. Um, I don't go to them any longer for things they can't give to me. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. These two women who dominated and controlled my life. I have neutrality. Um, I also want to talk about my brother and sister-in-law. So you got the idea and I'm watching the time. You got the idea, right, of what I was really uh, not liking about them. So the communications, you know, I'm thinking, you know, riding off into the sunset of KDG, I'm attached to my role as a recovered woman. So if I'm I'm this great recovered woman, then and my brother and sister-in-law should love me and want to communicate with me on my schedule. And I'll say, I'm just P.S., and this was with my mom and pan, my mom and her partner, too. I made many amends to my mom and her partner. It wasn't until a year and a half ago that those amends, that my mom stopped saying to me, you're still blaming my partner and me. You're not over it. I, I mean, we can talk sidebar about the number of amends I made to them. And it wasn't until a year and a half ago that they really heard me because I was spiritually sick. Because I was like, they're sick. I need a 12-step program. Don't you know? All right. Back to brother and sister-in-law. So they weren't communicating with me on my terms, right? Like, come on. Like, so I showed up. I told them, look, I haven't been in your life. I haven't been calling. I get it. This is my amend. I get it. I, I, I haven't been the kind of person you needed me to be. All right, fine. And then in my head, I'm like, I'm going to call you once a week. I'm going to call you once a week. And then we're going to have this great, great relationship and ride off into the sunset. Because I said, as I said at the beginning, when I'm blocked from God, I'm wanting to do service for you the way I think. It's a very cognitive thing. So this whole thing in New York went down. And I'm like, I'm self-righteous. And I'm even talking to Hubs about it. And if you know me at all, you know Hubs, without a 12-step program, has a moral compass of gold. Gold! I don't know how he does it. Don't know how he does it, but he also eats food. So normally, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like talking about it and he's like, yeah. And, and he never says, yeah, he never co-signs. He's like, You're, go do your program. Go call your sponsor. Legit, that's what he says. So um, this thing in New York is driving me and driving me. And I get to the work with this recovered woman that's helping me. And I just, I said to her, I'm like, they're, you know, I'm resentful of them, the cause, not letting me come to New York, not wanting a relationship with me on my terms, you know, not making effort with me. Well, let's turn that around. What's the realization? I want them to communicate with me on my terms. I'm not communicating with them on their terms, right? So the real turnaround, if I'm really sick, 
I'm failing to see that they are communicating in a way that works for them. Me coming to New York didn't work for them. Have I ever not shown up to an event because it didn't work for me? Oh my God, that would be another special edition. The times that Katie G doesn't show up because she doesn't feel like it, right? Or because she's not whatever, like that story of my life. I need a sponsor and 12-step and all of you to show up anywhere. So I could see like I was imposing my needs for them to communicate on my terms without thinking like the realization is I don't communicate with them on their terms. How about you back off, Katie? How about you realize that, that, that they are doing what they need to do to live their life and you are not the center of the universe? So when I realize that, I then go on and I look at selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, I'm afraid. So where am I selfish? I need them to communicate with me on my terms so I feel safe and secure. Self-seeking, I'm judging, I'm calling them every week. Why aren't they calling me back? The lie, I can't be okay, that they're, you know, they, they should be calling me back. I'm not fundamentally well unless they do. The truth is I am. It's not my business. How about I communicate with them in a way that is responsive to them? I'm the sick one. I'm the sick one. Right? And my fear of not being good enough, abandonment, which is a whole other special edition, okay? So when that happened, I had this all of a sudden shift where I, similar to with, um, my hubs where I was like calling people and saying to my recovered friends, I've been telling you this story about my mother for years. And they're like, yeah, you have, <laughs> which is not good. And then it was like, I've been, you know, trying to get my brother and sister-in-law to be in my life the way I think I need them to. I've been not communicating with them in the way they need me to. And then accusing them of not communicating with me in the way I need them to. I was doing the same thing. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I had a shift in perspective, and I, I just felt neutral, neutral. The next day, I'm, right, I'm walking with Hubs, family walk. I get a text from my brother. I, we have not talked in a very long time. Katie, coming to Boston. Can I come to it? And I, I was floored, right? My brother came and saw me for the first time in four years. He sat next to me, and he apologized for not being present. And I could just say, dude, it's all right. It's all right. I know. It's okay. You're here now. If my brother had tried to see me at any minute sooner before I had seen that I'm the sick one, I never could have accepted that, ever, ever. I'm spiritually sick. And when he was here, my friends, what I could see is those layers and layers and layers of accusations fall from me. I mean, I'm telling you, this is another dude that's been part of my resentments. And again, not riding off into the sunset with a perfect brother and sister-in-law, but very humans. And I love them. And guess what else? We FaceTime quite a bit, quite a bit. And, and that's kind of what I always wanted, you know? Um, wrap it up. I know I don't have a ton of time. I, I do want to touch on um, a couple other relationships. So just hubs real quick. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, accusing him of not being, um, not having fidelity to me, 
not making an effort with me, not communicating on my needs, blah, blah, um, not putting me first, traveling too much. With the realization, very similar to my brother and sister-in-law, right? Like I'm accusing him of not communicating with me the way I need him to. And I know you out there on the line know this step 10 of mine, right? Like you know it. It was like a year or two or maybe three, sorry. But um, how about I communicate with him on his terms? How about his terms? I'm the sick one, okay? How about his terms that he doesn't need to be texting with little, with little wifey all day? How about he doesn't need to reassure me that I'm okay? How about, you know, um, so he's traveling too much. Well, you know, or he's doing too much work. Well, I, when I get a phone call from a sponsee, I'm picking up the phone. I'm not asking him permission, right? So how about he's traveling too much? How about, you know, I'm, um, so in other words, like on a bigger level, traveling too much, not paying attention to me. Well, maybe I'm not paying attention to him in the way he needs, right? Like, oh my goodness, Katie, leave the man alone. Does not need a mother or a sister, needs a wife, right? How about I love him in a way that works for him, which is not Katie 20 questions. I'm telling you, I tried not asking him questions for like a year. It didn't work. But now when he gets in the house, quick hi, here's your dinner. Love you. Talk to you in an hour or half an hour. That's how we've learned how to be in relationship with one another because I bring that neediness to God, right? Because I know I'm the sick one that's going to interpret him coming in the door and not paying attention to me fast enough as, as wrong. But maybe I'm the sick one, okay? And then uh, finally, the mother-in-law. And um, this is a real raw one. I want you to know that, okay? Um, I get real threatened. Uh, I just do. I get really, really weird. Um, but she is a beautiful woman. And the realization, the last realization I wanted to share is she has said to me recently how uh, she, is at, uh, she is so incredibly in love with her grandchildren to a fault. And so... When she's with me, it's like, well, when am I going to see you? I'm not seeing you enough. I don't know. When am I going to see you again? Nah, nah, nah. So I'm resentful at mother-in-law that caused too needy imposing herself on me. Well, when I'm in relationship in my marriage and I'm not spiritually fit, I get sort of needy. I get sort of like, hey, I love you. How are things going? And I, so all of a sudden, when I looked at the realization of my mother-in-law being too needy, I could see that I am really friggin' needy when I'm not going to God before hubs. Really needy, you guys. I'm sorry, my friends. Really needy. Like bleeding heart fill me up, right? So all of a sudden, I could see her. I was like, wow, I know what that feels like, right? Come with suffering. Come passion. We were sitting side to side. And I thought, what a beautiful thing. She, like, is avaricious. She is, like, famished for my daughter, right? And I know what that feeling feels like. So maybe I could be a little bit more communicative with her, right? Like, maybe after I look at where I'm myself is self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, I can say, hey, love you. I know this is a short visit. Let's try and visit again October 19th to 20th. 
because what I know about me is I do really well with like concrete, hey, um, like in other words, hubs walks in the door, let's talk in a half an hour. That's a good way of raising little Katie. That's a good way of saying, okay, hi, I'm going to go to God and I'll see you in a half an hour, right? So I get to learn how to be with mother-in-law in a way that is meeting her needs. But it's not me dictating what her needs are. Does that make sense? With these turnarounds, I get off my throne of judgment. Um, I've heard that the ego reemerges like a toilet, so we flush the toilet down and it comes back up. And I, I get, I have spiritually sick hair, hair days, y'all. I, I get irritated when friends aren't loving me the right way, when I don't have the things that I think I need to be okay in my life. Um, that's a big one. I've been walking a really steep hill the last couple of years. It's been steep. It's been hard, and it's hurt. But I don't know why. I keep going deeper. And changes are happening that I don't imagine. Changes like my brother, my sister-in-law, my mom, my mom, the number one woman that drove my, that my thinking of her drove me to the food, the number one person. She gets to be my mom in the way that she needs to be. And I get to learn how to be a mom too, right? With hugs, I get to learn how to communicate and, and figure out that I'm the sick one, you know, and, and I can do those turnarounds now. Like a lot of times now I pause and when I'm heated, right? Like I think I shared this earlier in the week, I was heated at someone on a phone with me not meeting my needs. And I was like, Katie G, how are you not meeting her needs? What are you not doing? How are you doing what you're accusing her of? Right. And I've been able to, press into this spiritual truth that God is sending me who I need, what I need, when I need, for as long as I need it. So I get to be right with all of you. Um, I get to stop living in the lives that if you had what I had, if I, wouldn't, if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. Um, if God loves me more, you'd stop. I get to stop being a victim. I get to see that I'm spiritually sick and there's an, a solution. I get to have the sting taken out of my anger. And I get one of the thousands of promises that I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does. When I get right with God's kids, I can hear God. Um, as long as I take continue on, right? Like I need to continue on, just sidebar. Step four starts with anger, then goes fear, then relationship, then five, six, seven, eight. Like we got to keep going, keep going. Don't stop, don't stop. And I do use this sick man's prayer, um, but not to dismiss anyone today. I, I really, as the open talked about, I really, a lot of times I just break down and say, God, I'm I'm spiritually sick. Show me where I'm sick. Show me. On, uh, I'm just going to wrap up. There's a beautiful Mother Teresa quote uh, talking about people being unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered, and we can forgive them anyway. If I'm kind, people may accuse me of selfish or ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If I am successful, I will win some false friends and true enemies. 
succeed anyway. If I'm honest and frank, people may cheat me. Be honest anyway. Um, when you what you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, others may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Because you see in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. If you're not on fire with your program today, if you're recovered and you're still falling flat on your face, let's just keep trudging together because there's a way to a deeper experience with God and it is through these 12 steps. If you're new and none of what I just said makes sense, welcome, put down the food and get through, get going, do your step work. And um, I think that's it. Thank you very much, Katie G. Meticulous, compelling illustrations of spiritual work this morning. Yeah, who needs to move the muscle? It always begins with the addict. That's awesome. Thanks so much. We will ask Katie for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting, so stay tuned for that. And the share ID number for today, Sunday, September 22nd, 2019, is 13429, 13,429, so that you have an opportunity to listen again to the illustrations and instruction here. They're very, very compelling. The lines are now open for Q&A. If you have a question today for Katie about her presentation, the time has come. Please give your name and the first initial of your last name. Who has a question today? Anita B. Benny C. Anita and Benny. How about anyone else? Let's move forward then with Vinny T for now, and then I'm Anita B, and we'll catch the rest of you after. Hi, Vinny T, star one, please. Uh, good. Can you hear me? I sure can. All right. This is uh, Vinny T, recovered in North Carolina. Um, uh, thank you so much, Katie G. I, I, I love listening to you. Um, I, I, I'm always amused by how, how enthusiastic you are. Um, when you were talking just at the end, you know, about how, you know, when we, when we react, you know, uh, relate to others, you know, with uh, an attitude of tolerance and, and, you know, looking for what, what we can do for them and help, you know, be helpful and, and, you know, and it, you know, all that, I, I think, oh, that sounds so great. Of course, others would, would respond well to that. And then immediately my mind goes to, but how is that? not people pleasing which is a huge problem of mine so if you could answer that from your point of view thank you um i don't really understand the phrase people pleasing um and i just say that with all due respect to you and in your program um because what i've been taught is um i'm actually just trying to please myself right so like if I am trying to make you happy, it's so that you do something for me. What I'm taught to do in this program is to be open and available for service. So in working with others, it talks a lot about present your experience and then kind of walk away, right? Like um, offer yourself up 
and then let them do what they want. And um, the difference for me today, like I'm not going for an outcome. So if I decide to call someone and they don't call me back, um, my service is to not to continue to keep calling them because I need to call them because I need to do service. So I think, Vinny, perhaps a shift in perspective might be to look at your motives and to look at if, if I'm people pleasing, it's because I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. So I need to do this service, right, so that I, um, so that you can validate me, right? And nobody gets pleased. Uh, myself seeking, I'm, I'm offering myself up over and over and over again. Um, the lie is, you know, you need this service, you need me to be there, and the truth is you don't, like, and the fear is I'm not good enough. And that's really what the fear is if I'm, people pleasing, right? Like I'm, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. So I'm looking to you outside of myself to make me feel better about myself. And again, not correcting you, I respect you. Um, but I, it helps me to break down people pleasing as what it really is, which for me, and it may not be for you is my way to say, I'm going to give you what you need. So you be the person that I need. So there's a resentment in there. There's a feeling in there I need to look at. Right, because when I'm really doing God's work, it's not about the outcome. It's about God. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And I mean, we mess up. I told you. I mean, for years, calls to the brother. Hey, buddy, it's Sunday. Hey, Katie, it's hey, hey, brother, it's it's Katie. It's Sunday. Hello. <laughs> right? No, I mean, if there was harm done, but like we're okay. I hope that helps. Oh, it's it's absolutely perfect. I understand. That's great. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Vinny T, for your question. Anita B, your question now for Katie. Uh, good morning. Thanks, everybody, for being here with me this morning. Thanks, Katie. Um, so the thing I keep thinking about is going deeper. When you talk about going deeper, does that happen through the process of doing these steps each year and you get a little deeper or was there something else that helped you? Because I know there's things that I have to go deeper with. I just, I'm not sure I can get there. So um, yeah. I hope you can help. Well, we can't, right? We can't. We can't get there without God, right? Um, I love this question because the people I surround myself with, the teachers that I surround myself with ask that question. Do you have a God that can take you to places better than where you're sitting right now? Like you're sitting there as a recovered person. Do you have a God that's so big that can take you deeper? I don't know what deeper is. But if I answer yes for me, and I, I, I really want to add the caveat, I, that's like my favorite phrase today, um, that helping others like I lean into the work and then I help others. And I, I really want to give a shout out to that because that's my primary purpose, right? To stay abstinent and help other women. Um, but for me, it's like, okay, so I do the work and then I help others. I do the work, I press in, do the work, press, do the work, press, and God like fixes everything. So for me, and this is just my experience that I felt very compa uh, passionate about sharing today, is that means going back to step one and really turning statements into questions. Do I still have an allergy? Um, a couple years ago, a woman in whom the problem has been solved, when I was in abstinence, 
taught me about that amazing food list that um, was sort of generated off of um, a podcast Ruth M. does on entire abstinence, where she talks about this is a list of what we've tried to control, right? This isn't just my binge list. Boom. That took me back to a place of powerlessness in my step one where I just, I saw my need for God. It was so dark. And so, yes, what it is, is it's absolutely, um, I spend time um, on going through steps one through nine every year on my, on my own with a recovered friend, with a recovered sponsor and helping others. Um, I do get a lot helping the women I sponsor, absolutely. But it is that one-on-one direct asking myself questions. Where am I in step one powerlessness today, not 20 years ago? What is the vitality of my step one today that drives my work and drives me deeper with God? Now, again, I get deeper with God through helping others, so I can't really um, say it's one or the other. For me, it's 100% of both. I mean, I love calling people who are new. I love calling. I love hearing from the women I work with. It's my, it's my life, right? But I love going deeper with God and asking myself where I am and doing the work in step one, two, and three that drive my desperation to get through step four to go deeper. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Anita B, for your question. It's open now for people to ask Katie a question if there's anyone else out there with a question. The sick man's prayer, how to react to instability in my life. Dina Melissa. Melissa. Polly B. Somebody B. Polly, maybe. Polly. Dina R. I got you, Dina. You're the first one when we get through with the list here. Anybody else that I missed? I have Dina, Melissa, and Polly. Okay, so we're going to go with Dina R. first. Hi, Dina, your question. Star one, please. Hi, did you say Dina? Mm-hmm, I did. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Katie. Um, so my question to you, and I, I just want to say that as you were talking, this some of what I'm bringing up started to ease as I'm thinking of what more I could be doing with my resentments and looking at my part. It's two, two things that I'm <clears throat> struggling with. One is there was some deep resentment that took me a while to be ready to make my amends for with my husband. And I did, and I did a lot of work on it. And now working through therapy so that we can be there as parents for my adult child who's suffering has brought up all of those things. And in needing to work with it, how do I not sit in resentment, but at the same time be able to talk about the hurt And one of the things that came up in that, which I know doesn't help me to be there, but this is what kept coming up is, you called that a ninth step with me? The amount of work I did on my ninth step to you. Can you even acknowledge the hurt that has been done to me? And I know that I have to do my work on that part. But as we talk about it in therapy, it has to come out somehow. So how do I sit with that and work through that in recovery? so that the emotions don't consume me, which is what was happening when I came into vision. And my second question is about enabling. When you're living with, some, with loved ones who are using food in a way that I can see that they need the same rums I do, 
that they're not ready for that part of it. Even though there is a language of recovery in the home, how do I navigate that? It can be so tricky because some of those things I have to do for myself. Because, for instance, if someone can't bend down to empty the litter because of obesity, I can't leave the litter unemptied. But then how does someone get to feel their, the dignity of their own pain to get to go to the rooms? It's very tricky. The bills, the organizing, all the typical things in life where I'm part of the family, I take responsibility and I know I've taken on too much. But if I'm not doing it, then I'm not being responsible. So those are the two tricky areas that I'd love to hear your take on that. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to honor your feelings. And I want to say I'm going to do my best to address your question briefly, and then we could definitely talk more offline. Some things that I heard you talking about is getting on to what someone else owes you in a ninth step amend and the amount of work you did to make amends to your husband or your wife. It's not my business. I know that's painful. I am in a relationship with someone who um, rarely apologizes, <clears throat> and um, and that's okay, um, because um, I'm the one with the big book. I have to disregard entirely, and my motives for making an amend to my partner is not so that he will see me and feel me and give me something he can't give me. Right, because that pain, please don't shove it away, but perhaps bring it to God. Perhaps bring it to this community. I had feelings of loss with my brother around, I can't go to him, can I? I had feelings of loss with my mother. I can't go to her, can I? So it's not that having the feelings is wrong but that I'm bringing them the expectation that they're going to do differently is the problem. I can't make amends expecting something because I expect you to make an amend. I need to make an amend so I don't eat. And that's it. In terms of enabling, a um, couple things real briefly. One, another 12-step program perhaps. Um, some Al-Anon, perhaps, I don't know, but you might want to look at that. The other, and again, I say this with all the love in my heart, and I do know women who are in this program, working this program, living with active addicts, and I'm, I'm not currently, I have, I'm not currently, so I want to say that. Um, so I want to refer you to them when, when we talk offline. Um, but what I do know from living with an active addict um, is that I don't know that they're an active addict. They're engaging in those behaviors that look like active addiction. But I have to keep going back. I know this is hard to like differentiate, but like there are moderate eaters and hard eaters. And um, there can be hard eaters that are 400 pounds. I, I, I do believe that. And only they can do um, the program only they can can decide that. And I was laughing a couple months ago, or like a week ago, I was thinking there's one, there's a quote that someone in the rooms likes to say on our Vision for You rooms, it says, there's one thing we can do for others, and that is recover, recover, recover. 
So I just, you know, talk, um, walk proudly and carry a big book. Walk quietly and carry a big book, right? There's, there's a whole fellowship of us that can help you um, unpack all that. But there's only really one thing I can do for somebody else, and that is to carry this message. And in terms of your body pains and things like that, I really want to refer you for you and I to talk offline more in detail about that and refer you to some other things that might might support you. I hope that starts to answer your question. Thank you, Dina. I appreciate that question very much. Melissa C., it's your question time now, and then Polly will come after you. Melissa C. Hi. Hi. Hi, Melanie. It's Melissa C. Can I... Oh, we may have lost you, Melissa. It sounds like maybe um, you're asking you to go after Polly. Some technical problems, Melissa. Gonna hang with you for one more second before I move to Polly. Okay, Melissa, hang, hang tight. There may be a different positioning. Polly B, would you go first in Melissa's stead, and then we'll get back to Melissa. Your question, please. Sure, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Polly be a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater just for today, by the grace of God. And Katie, that was really amazing. Um, I always like the way you consolidate and crispen things up and communicate so beautifully. I have lots of questions, but um, I really appreciate the way you stated I'm not the way I am today as an addict, even as a recovered compulsive overeater did what happened in the past. And the work is about relationships in the present. And my question is about this. When I do a step four with on my stuff with a sponsor, or when I'm sponsoring someone, I may have a laundry list of resentments and fears. And I know for sure about myself, things boil down to one of three categories. Yet when I'm going through this again, I get stuck in the details. And I've seen sponsees do the same. And you mentioned this uh, specifically about abandonment. When do you cut to the chase? I mean, is it necessary for yourself or for a sponsee to go down the list and, you know, get rid of each story? Or, you know, you've been at this for a while. Can I? Can you do something like abandonment issues with mom and uh, get the work done? I'll pass with that. Thank you in advance. I'm not totally sure I know what you're asking. So are you talking like, because I never tell a story and people who do step 10s with me are laughing right now because if I feel like you're starting to tell me a story in a step 10, I, I say, can we pause? Because I, I, I'm going to get sick with that story. So what I mean is like, <clears throat> so if I'm resentful at husband, the cause, not communicating with me on my terms, right? Poor man. Um, uh, it just was so prominent. Um, <clears throat> the story would be, Katie, gee, can I do a step 10 with you? Yeah. Okay. So here's what's going on. My husband went to work today and he's been at work. No, 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 no. So sometimes I'll say to people, um, pretend you just told me the horrifying story 
or like the boss, like I'm resentful at the boss, the cause, you know, not promoting me and treating me the way I deserve to be. So KG, can I do a step 10? I got to tell you, here's what's been going on for like 10 weeks and the boss, blah, blah, blah. No. Mm -mm. So it's more, I'm resentful at the boss, the cause, da, 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 da. Now, do I ever just skip to fear of abandonment? No. No, because I need to use, I'm a, um, as you guys, as you all know, I'm a very, um, I'm a big lover of the book, and and I really feel like I need to be precise in the way I follow that the the, the instructions. So that doesn't mean I leave things out. I need to follow each step, like right. So if if I don't ask God to remove my character or defect uh, or my anger in a step ten, and I just call someone, then that person becomes my God. Right. So I'm, I'm very it's very important to me. So I don't I don't I don't cut to the chase. I don't tell stories. Um, and I'm going to be honest. Um, and I know some of you on the line is going to make uncomfortable. But when I when I first did my step, my step work out of the big book, um, it was in Boston um, with a community that some of you know. And I had mm, like 167 names. Um, and each of them had mm, like 10 to 12 things I, I hated about them. I do things differently now, but um, I don't regret doing that way. Um, and I wasn't telling stories. So I don't know if that's answering your question. If it's not, I certainly we could workshop this more offline. Thank you very much, Polly B, for your question. Melissa C, are you back? Star one, please. Hi, thanks. Are you able to hear me now? I can, loud and clear. Let's go. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Melissa C., Recovered Compulsory there. Um, Thank you so much, Katie. It was a really clear um, and informative share, and I really, I got so much out of it, as always. Um, You know, my question was about your process where you speak about, um, you know, going through the steps again, repeatedly, and... um, and I'd love if you could talk maybe a little bit about that. Do you do that with your sponsees as well? Or when you move somebody, you know, when someone moves through the steps with you, do they then go on and do it with someone else? Do you repeat it with your sponsor over and over again? I'm just wondering, you know, what that might look like. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa, for the question. The answer is yes. <laughs> I've done all of the above. And um, I'm really not a cookie-cutter sponsor or sponsee. Um, So, for example, um, two times ago when I did the work, um, I was doing it with someone who at the time was my sponsor. She then shifted to the role of a guide, and I had a different sponsor. And I did the work with her, like, all through uh, nine. And I did the work with her and then had a sponsor. Um, I'm one of those daily people. in terms of sponsorship, seven days a week, 15 minutes a day, that's what works. Boom, love it um, for me. <laughs> but So that's what worked then. Um, this last time, all of the work was done solely with my current sponsor. We did step five in a different way. Um, I didn't go through every single resentment. Uh, it was very, very interesting. That worked for me. Same with sponsees. Um, I, ha- I-, I really try and be attentive to like, Okay, so now we're shifting to 12 and we're, list, we're going to live in 10, 11, and 12, which is a very easy statement to say and a very hard practice to engage in, right? So I, I spend a lot of time trying to make sure that we are on the same page. What does it mean to do a step 10 during the day no matter what? What does it mean to be an 11? 
Um, I'm a big one on nightly inventory and then carrying it through the day for prayer and meditation for 11. And then 12. 12 is a big one. What does it mean to practice these principles in all our affairs? What does it mean to sponsor? And then beyond sponsoring, who are you calling? What does it mean to carry this message, not just to the sponsees, but to the people you haven't heard online in a bit or other other people? And then we kind of talk in triage, where are your step 10s right now? Are they a lot with hubs or wife? Are they a lot with work? Are they? And then we figure out, okay, so let's go back to step one. Um, and I have used the book. I always use the book for step four. Um, but one of the things I have practiced is using um, the AA 12 and 12 to um, ask myself questions for steps one through three. So it's all fair game. And if you have ways that you're doing it, I love it. I want to hear it. Um, the only other thing I'll say is I... I'm a big podcast listener, so nothing I said is original. Everything I've learned from these amazing, um, passionate people that I listen to on a regular basis. So a lot of times I'll listen to them. There's one workshop I listened to. It was 13 hours. I followed them and I followed the instructions. But I always do it with a sponsor. If you're out there and you don't need a sponsor, that's awesome. That would never work for a sickie like me. So hope that helps. Thanks so much, Melissa C. For hanging in there with your question. Who else has a question this morning for Katie G on her presentation? And this will be our last invitation today for questions and answers. Hi, Ginger this is Simone. I have a question. Uh, uh, Pamela K. Simone. Simone. Gotcha, Simone and Pamela K. Ginger C. I gotcha, Ginger. Thanks. Anyone else with a question this morning? This will be our last invitation. Going once. Going twice. Okay, we're going to assume that all, all questions are, are going to be answered in these next three. Hi, Ginger, your question first. If it's not time out, thank you. Ginger C, it's your time for your question. Yes, go ahead. Okay, thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. And Katie, beautiful, uh, your passion. And you just keep moving muscles, and it's so evident. So thank you for your um, continuing to show up. And my question is, um, how do you meet others' needs and have their uppermost happiness on your mind? <laughs> Oh dear, um, lots of inventory, if that makes sense. How do I meet others' needs? I don't know, Ginger, I think it's a lot of death of self, right? So um, like I'm just thinking, how do I meet Hub's needs, right? So we are very um, different in terms of what we define as love and what we see as love. And um, as you all know, who've been privileged to be in a, a relationship with someone, if you're listening, they tell you what your needs are. Um, so I really ask God to show me what it means to love hubs today. So no questions. Um, making him meals, um, folding laundry, showing up for his family is a big one. Um, doing the things I don't want to do for him. Um, I think with 
the women I support as a sponsor. It's um, in my other program, we talk about listening to what they're saying, but also what they're not saying. And so I think it's really a God thing, right? Um, when I get on the line first with sponsees, after we pray, I mute my phone so that I'm listening. Um, and then um, the other thing I do and pay close attention to this is I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> And how do I know? Because they're like communicating with me, like, I don't need that. Back off, back off, danger, danger. And and then I'm like, oh, okay, they don't need that. I'm gonna back off now. So I a lot of a lot of humility, a lot of listening, Ginger, and then a lot of humility of what and you know what? Asking. Um when I did my inventory on Hubsite, when I put him through the relationship, I said to him, where am I where am I falling short? Like what am I missing? And I sat there and listened. And it really informed my inventory, but do not ask that question unless you want an answer. It's a it's a hard one to ask <laughs> and then listen. Um but it's very informative. Um people who really love you really will tell you. They really will tell you. Or I've you know, um sorry, I, something else just occurred to me. Um I practice it with all of you. So a lot of times if you call me and you're disturbed um, in, the, in the beginning of program and even now, because I've made amends to you for this, I will launch in. I'll launch in, dude, here's what we got to do. And you've not asked for that. And so I will say to you, do you need to snot nose messy cry right now? Like, do you need to have your feelings? Because I'm okay with that because what you're walking through is grief. And I'm not here to tell you you're not allowed to have that grief. Let me listen to you. Let me give you a few minutes. Or do you need to do the work? Asking that question and, and knowing that I don't know what you need. I don't know. But if I ask and then I listen and respond accordingly, it seems to work a lot better than me running that show. I hope that helps. Thank you, Ginger C, for your question. Simone J, your question, please, star one. Simone J, press star one. Sorry about that. I was talking to myself. <laughs> um, thank you so much. That was really brilliant. Um, I've been doing a question a day with OA How, but I keep losing my sponsor. Um, and the feedback I've been getting when I've been speaking to um, wonderful people that do this meeting is that perhaps I need to go more quickly with my steps because I'm a serial relapser and something that I've not done before is go very quickly. Um, so I put it out there. I received a sponsor who said she could um, work with me twice a week, but she wouldn't take my food. But then I was confused with that. Um, bottom line is I'm struggling to find a sponsor who can speak to me um, every day during the week. Um, I'm more flexible with my times on a Saturday and a Sunday and who will go through the big book with me. And I'm so confused as to like, what is me truly and honestly wanting a sponsor, wanting to do these steps, and what is me trying to control how I do these steps and how I do the program? Thank yeah, you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, you know, there are 4,000 members on the contact list. 
and I don't know how many others are recovered, but we're all going to sponsor a slightly different way. Um, I love our Vision for You community, and I love that we talk about the promptness with which we need to do the steps. I also will say I'm actually more of the mindset of really meeting the sponsee where she is. I um, find that I get a lot of phone calls from people in relapse, and I ask them about various aspects of their step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and they can't tell me because they've missed it somehow. And I'm starting to believe that maybe um, maybe something, and this is just me, may, may part of it might be moving a little fast. That's just me. Um, I follow the sponsee. Um, in the structured program that I do, although it is suggested to answer a question a day, um, if I sense that the sponsees need step four more faster, like it's not you know, faster than a question a day might lead them, um, I will encourage them to work with me at a different time um, to start some inventory a little bit. Um, and, and I'm just going to um, say, you know, for me, staying in step one um, and allowing it to be a dark step has proved to be beneficial. So I just, I just want to kind of poke those holes in what you're saying because um, I don't think that there's a right and a wrong here. I, I think that, um, what am I trying to say? I think that your higher power is going to take you where you need to go and I would just keep throwing solutions at it and I would keep trying um, and keep, keep staying with us. Um, and keep being open to the messages that your higher power wants to bring to you. Because sometimes the, the structure and discipline of only one question a day really meets somebody where they are. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I, I believe in the efficacy and the efficiency with which we must move. But I also really think we need to listen or I need to listen to my higher power and my sponsees. Um, for what it is that they might that they might need. I hope that helps. Thanks so much, Simone J, for your question. Pamela K, star one, please. It's time for your question. Thank you. <clears throat> this is Pamela K from uh, Florida, and uh, my question to you, uh, Katie G, is um, oh, if I can remember it now. Uh, I'm elderly in this program, and I lose my memory sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I really loved your share this morning. And um, I work with, with women. I work with uh, sponsees. Um, I've just had to let one go recently. And how do you deal with that? When do you know you need to let a sponsee go? Um, and uh, when, when dealing with um, with, with uh, uh, food of someone else's in, in your home, how do you deal with that? It's I've been in the program almost three years, and um, I my my husband. Um, has eats everything that I used to eat, 
in um, the first year and a half, it really bothered me. But now it's gotten to be, um, so what? I'm responsible for me. Is that your attitude too? Uh, I hear two questions. So one, how do I deal with my other family members' food? And two, how do I deal with sponsees who keep eating? Is that it? Is that a way? Okay. I'm going to try this. Um, I have my hands literally in food that doesn't, that I am not to eat every day. In fact, uh, I have somebody that puts their hands in food that doesn't belong to me and tries to feed it to me. Um, I've had it on my face. Um, I today am in a place of neutrality, safe and protected. I'm not sworn off. Um, and if it, that does bother me, um, then I'm quick to go to my sponsor, to go to God, to go to all of you and to figure out what's going on. Because if I am recovered, if I have been through the work, uh, I'm in a place of neutrality with the food. And if it's not neutral, then something needs to, something needs to be looked at. Um, yeah, I couldn't, uh, when I first came to the room 15 years ago, I wouldn't be able to comfortably live with the things that I live with. So if I'm, if I'm dealing with someone who's new, I have no problem suggesting they stay away from foods that aren't theirs. I have no problem. Uh, there's a friend of mine who suggests, you know, people, if they can afford it, try and have groceries delivered, things like that, way to keep, ways to keep things simple. Um, so if I'm feeling triggered, if that's what your question is. Um, but no, it, it's, it's not that I just let them deal with it. Um, part of my service is to fix it for them. <laughs> part, of, part of my service is to pack it for lunch. Fix it for breakfast. Fix it for dinner. It's just not mine. It's pr pretty, pretty poison. Thank you, God. Um, and that's just because of the role I have in my family. Um, and I love it. Um, I also don't try and prove anything. Like I don't, uh, I don't need to bake. Um, I'm not a baker. <laughs> it's never been fun. So I don't, I don't engage in a lot of that. So um, that's that. In terms of um, sponsees, I don't know. There's a million answers, and they're all in the chapter working with others. Uh, chapter says we don't, we can't waste time with someone who doesn't really want to do the work. Um, I don't have any hard and fast rules. Um, my other meeting does suggest, you know, three strikes and you're out. Um, sometimes people interpret it that way. I don't interpret it that way. Um, the way I was taught when I was coming out of relapse is if I keep eating and the sponsor that I'm working with is not, and I keep going back to the food over and over again, perhaps I need a new teacher because I'm not hearing the message. Um, there are other people on the line that will say to you, you know, the book says we go back over and over again no matter what. Um, whatever is going to work for you. I, I think I think to be rule-based about it is really problematic. I think to really go to the chapter working with others and think about am I shoving this program down their throat or am I giving them my experience and then seeing what they do. I have um, a committed program of recovery that it's pretty clear on a day-to-day -day basis whether or not that sponsee is committed. Um, and, and honestly, if she keeps eating, I say to her, like, do, do you want to be working together? Do you think this is working? Um, because the other thing I'll say to you is that we all know that there are many wonderful uh, recovered people on this line. And that sometimes when I talk, people on this line might think, wow, that's KDG. I want to hear what she has to say. And sometimes on this line, when people hear me say my name, they might say, wow, I don't want to hear what KDG has to say. And 
That's just a fact. And that's not because I'm a bad person or they're a bad person. It's because there's a part of me, my heart, my God, my spirit that speaks to you. And not everybody. And that's okay. So my job is to keep her, my sponsee's health best in mind. So if there's somebody, I know that there are women that I talk to who don't talk to sponsees every day. It's once a week. It's twice a week. It's two hours this. It's two hours that. If I know that my sponsee might do better with that, I suggest that name. I, I, I say to that person, I say, you don't have to do what I do, but if you want to work with me, this is what I do. Um, you're welcome to try another way. Have you tried talking to so-and-so? That They sponsor a little bit differently than me. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much, Pamela Kay. And that ends the question and answer portion of our meeting and takes us to the wrapping up of this great presentation today. Thanks again, Katie, for all that you've offered this morning. And I want to let folks know that we'll get your contact information at the conclusion of the meeting and to let you all know one more time the share ID so that you can re-listen to this presentation for today, Sunday the 22nd of September 2019 is 13429, 13,429. And we will close now this meeting the way we always do um, on our Vision for You meetings is with the reading on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great facts for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you.